Amen. Robbie, I think your mic is still on. We got it. This morning, I would like for you to turn to Romans chapter 16. In Romans chapter 16, verse 12, or I'm sorry, verse 20. Romans 16, verse 20. It's on the screen for you if you would like to follow along or if you're there in your, in your book, in your, in your book, in your Bible. It says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. So this is at the end of the book of Romans. And Paul is going to give us this last little bit. And in this he says, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. So yes, we are all in a battle. We all have struggles and there are times where we feel that we're not going to be able to make it. But before we can really deal with the struggles and deal with the battles, we have to come to a conclusion or we need to make a decision as far as where the struggles are coming from. Now, back two years ago, the Barna Group did a study of Christians. Now, these are Christians. These are not non-believers. These are all believers, all Christians. They profess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. 35% of those Jesus-professing Christians believe that Satan, is a real entity. Only 35%. You can't even find four out of ten people in churches today that believe that Satan is real. They feel that we're battling against this evil attitude or, or system. There's really nothing that we are truly battling against. It's just simply good and evil. Well, can I let you know that that is the best defense for Satan? If you don't know who you're fighting against, you can't win. Our guys, uh, you know, in armed forces, our 
uh, you know, soldiers and stuff have been over in Afghanistan and they have been fighting a foe that they really cannot put their fingers on. It's not an army that we would be used to. It's not an army of men and you know, of men and women that are literally carrying guns where you could pretty much see them. They're children. They're women disguised as nurses in a hospital. You know, they're men that just simply have weapons hidden beneath themselves or are beneath their clothes that are literally, literally willing to give up their lives just simply to kill four or five other people. It's difficult to know who the enemy is. Scripture tells us who the enemy is. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, it says a final word. It says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on, the full, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the, the strategies of the devil. The strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, against the authorities of the unseen world, against the mighty powers in this dark world, and against the evil spirits in the heavenly places. In verse 13 it says, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Paul tells us that our battle is against Satan, against the devil, against his demons or his imps, whatever you want to call them. They're there. They're real. If we are fighting against a worldly system, we are fighting against the wrong thing. We need to make sure that we are fighting and we're in our battle is with Satan. First Peter. First Peter tells us here that we need to stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. First Peter 5, 9. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world are going through the same kind of stuff we are. See, whenever we realize who we're battling, then we need to come to this understanding as far as where I go for my strength. When you're in the midst of the battle, 
we all too often become so focused on the battle that we forget all of our resources that we have to be able to make it through the battle. In 1 Peter chapter 4, it says that Satan is like a lion. Now, do lions attack the strongest member? No. The lion goes for the weakest, or he goes for the one that is separated. Or, just like Satan does, Satan loves to come into the church and divide the church, and then he gets the people off to the side so that he can attack them because they're alone. They're no longer underneath the protection of the flock and they're no longer underneath the protection of God because they have walked out on their own or they have been driven astray. We hear all throughout the scripture talking about the false prophets and talking about the false teachings and what we're supposed to believe and what we're not supposed to believe. I pose this to you today, that the moment in time that you knelt down and you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you got 100% of the Spirit of God dwelling within you at that exact moment. You have every bit of the power of God at your hand and at your disposal to be able to fight every single battle that you will ever face in your life. Why do we struggle so much? Because we're babes in Christ and we don't understand all the things about the Scripture and all the things about the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we don't allow the Holy Spirit to do what it's supposed to be doing. We do not allow the Holy Spirit to actually power us and protect us from Satan. It's not from the evil system. It's from Satan. You remember whenever we went through the armor of God and I talked to you about the uh, you know, about the, the, the whack-a-mole? Hopefully y'all have gone and discovered exactly what a whack-a-mole game is. That is exactly what Satan does. Satan creates issues over here and over here and over here and over here. But if we're not attacking Satan, those problems will continue to pop up. If we're not attacking Satan where he is vulnerable then we will always be struggling with all those little battles that continue to pop up over here and over here and over here. So where is Satan vulnerable at? Would you like to know that? Satan is vulnerable in the presence of God Almighty and in the presence of our worship. So whenever we were worshiping this morning and we were all singing out praises unto God, Satan had to flee because God and his spirit is in his presence. Satan cannot be in the presence of God's spirit. Wow. John chapter 1, or 1 John Chapter 5, verse 19, it says, We know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Mm. I've kind of stepped away from where I was going to, but this is powerful here. 
uh, you know, I, I want you to understand something, you know, and we've been praying for our government, right? We've been praying for our president and for all the things that's going on. Can I let you in on a little hint here? The scripture tells us this. Our government, this world, is underneath the rule and the authority of Satan and Satan only. So whenever we see the battles that's going on in Washington, D.C., that is nothing except for Satan fighting the war over there. And we need to make sure that we are prepared and that we have God Almighty with us right here so that we can sustain the war that's going on in D.C., because you better believe it will begin to change the rules and the laws that we live under today. And at one point in time or some point in time, we will not be free to speak the name of Jesus Christ. Because Satan is fighting a battle. Satan is the one that's in control. But. First John chapter 4, verse 4. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people. Because the spirit who is living in you is greater than the spirit that is living in the world. Woo! There you go. There is Satan's weakness. He has no authority over Jesus Christ. We have won the battle because Jesus Christ is living within us. But we need to make sure that we know who we're fighting. We need to make sure that we understand that Satan is real. And that the battles that we fight is the battles with Satan. So, in reading, to prepare for this message, I, I came across something that was really interesting. Max Licato writes a little story about the Battle of Manassas. How many of y'all know anything about the Battle of Manassas? Do we have any history buffs here? Uh, any history teachers? Battle of Manassas. Huh? This is the second one because this is the one that was supposed to win, that was supposed to end the war. So we have our Union troops that are lined up, and we have uh, you know the uh, the other soldiers that are lined up there, and uh, you know they're fixing to begin to battle. And lo and behold, these people from Washington, some rich, some not so rich, some poor decided that they were going to have a picnic today and they were going to come out on that nice Sunday afternoon and they were going to watch the end of this battle. Hmm. They were going to have a picnic on the side of the battlefield. They brought picnic baskets with fried chicken. I don't know if they had fried chicken in it, but I'd like to think they had fried chicken in it. One of the writers from the New York Times said that there was actually a lady there that had, uh, you know, those um, opera binoculars. And they began to ooh and to ah whenever the 
guns begin to go off. And you had the cannons fire, and they're like, ooh, oh, this is great. And then all of a sudden, the, Rome, the uh, Union soldiers had to flee. So they began running to escape the battle. And whenever they began running to escape the battle, of course, they went in all different directions. So then the Union soldiers, or the, no, the British soldiers, began to fire on them as they ran away. And some of the innocent bystanders got caught up in the battle. There was actually a senator of Washington that was captured and he was held prisoner for six months. See, we as Christians and believers, we do one of two things. We either don't believe that the battle is truly against Satan or we don't want to engage in the battle so we kind of pull up a picnic and we sit in church and we watch everybody else talk about their battles and talk about their struggles and then all of a sudden we get caught by surprise, by Satan. And we get carried off into captivity. Now let's not make a mistake. Satan is out to kill you and to destroy you. He is out to kill and to destroy your family. He is out to destroy your marriage. He is out to take your joy. He is out to destroy your life. His end goal is to make sure that you do not make it to heaven. So don't, don't think that Satan will not take you captive. He will captivate your thoughts. He will convince you He will convince you that someone in church has hurt you so bad that you shouldn't go back to that place. He will convince you that the life that you're living is not really all that bad because there's a whole lot more people that's worse than you are. As the Spirit moves and here. You know, this morning, he will do everything that he can to convince you not to come to this altar and ask for forgiveness of sin that's in your life. He will do everything that he can the one that's in us is stronger than the one that's in the world. We defeat Satan because of Jesus Christ living in us and through us. It is only by his power that that happens. But let me say this to you. If you've been sitting on the sideline and you've gotten into captivity, it's not too late. 
Because Jesus Christ is strong enough to redeem you. To graft you back into that righteous branch. He says that if you will ask for forgiveness, I'll forgive you. But we also know if we don't ask for forgiveness, then he won't forgive us. If we just simply go along and we just continue to live our life as if nothing has happened. We're not honoring God in it. We've been through a battle. I've been through a battle this week. But through Jesus Christ and because of him living within me, that battle's won. So that gets me to what I've been really excited in thinking about. Mm. There's a passage of scripture, and I don't know how many of you have, you know, uh, Chronicles. We're going to go into the New Testament, and we're going to look at Second Chronicles, and we're going to look at verse, or at chapter 20. Second Chronicles, chapter 20. I'm not going to read all of this because this goes through, you know, th this is throughout the whole or through the first 30 verses of this. Okay, so here in verse 5, we find here that Jehoshaphat was told that he needs to, uh, you know, that he, as he stood before the community of Judah in Jerusalem in front of the new courtyards and in the temple, he prayed, O Lord, God, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone, the God who is in heaven, you are ruler over all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Let me back up a little bit and kind of give you this because there in the first verses, uh, we find out that there's three kingdoms that are coming together uh, you know, to destroy uh, you know, the Israelites. So they're coming in and they're going to battle. But in verse 5, we find out that the first thing that the king does is that he goes to God. Whenever we come up against a battle, what is the first thing that we do? We run to ourselves. You know, fear really becomes a part of this. Because whenever we first get into a struggle, we automatically look into ourselves and we say, Okay, what's going to happen? How, what am I going to do to fix this? How can I straighten this out? Uh, you know, if I tell this story to this person over here, maybe that'll handle it over here. And if I go and tell this story to this person over here, that'll kind of smooth it over here. But then I'm going to stand in the middle and I'm going to try to remember both of the stories that I just told them because I'm going to fix this. And then we begin to really worry whenever that doesn't happen because they talk to each other. And you're like, oh, wait a minute, I didn't think about that one. We begin to rationalize things. We begin to compartmentalize our lives. We begin to set things aside and say, okay, I've got I've to worry about this, and, and then I've got to worry about this, and I've got to do this. No. See, in this battle here, we find, in, in our lives, we find that the best thing to do is to go to God. 
because see, uh, you know, whenever we whenever we go to God, then we can jump down here to verse nine, and then we can find these words here that says, uh, you know, they you know they said, whenever you are, whenever we are faced with a calamity, such as war, plagues, and famine, we can come and stand in your presence before the temple where your name is honored, we can, tr- we can cry out to you and save us and you will hear us and you will rescue us. So whenever we turn to God in prayers, whenever we have the struggles or whenever we're in the midst of a battle and we go and we cry out to God, we look at this and it says, and he says, he's repeating, he is actually quoting scripture and it says that you told us that whenever we were facing these things that all we had to do was to call out to you and you would rescue us. Hmm. You would rescue us. So then this happens. Somebody jumps up in the midst of them. And he says, listen, all ye people of Judea and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by the mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Huh. So whenever... I try to do it myself, I get sick, I get more gray hair, I lose weight or I gain weight, depending on you, on on whether or not you eat whenever you're nervous or whenever you're upset, Uh, you know, it depends on where you're going, you know, a lot of times the stress in our lives causes illness and sickness, you know, we do not handle stress right, Uh, you know, whenever we try to deal with wars and with battles and stuff of Satan, uh, you know, that is what happens to us. Because we cannot defeat Satan, right? Can you say that? Well, let's say, repeat after me. I cannot defeat Satan. I cannot defeat Satan. Only Jesus Christ can defeat Satan. But whenever I do it, I make a mess of a lot of things. But whenever I bring it to God, then what happens? He says, don't worry about it. I'm going to battle it for you. Say, don't don't worry about it. I'm going to battle it for you. Guys, really, I like this. I like this passage of Scripture. Because, see, it goes on from here. But, you know, whenever we look at this particular part right here, see, this is not King Jehoshaphat that's talking about this. This is a man that was in the audience, that was in the congregation, that was filled with the Holy Spirit, that stood up and gave them this proclamation. Someone from the audience stood up and gave them this proclamation. And then what did they do? They all came together and they out they went out to this place called Ziglag or something like that. 
uh, you know, on the side of this mountain. And he told them, he said, whenever you go there, you will find them at this ridge. I think I have some of that further on in there, but I'm going to paraphrase it for us here. He says, that, you, know, you, just, you just go there. So they get there. Right before they get there, they're kind of standing in the middle of these wooded, this wooded area. If you can picture this, they're standing there. And then Jehoshaphat turns and he gives them this one last battle cry as far as this is what we're going to do. We're going to trust in God because God says this battle is his. He's already given it to us. Uh, you know, we're going to do this. And then he calls forth his praise and worship team. Woo! How would you like to be that praise and worship team? Because he says, praise and worship team, you're going to go before the mighty warriors. Whoa, wait a minute. I didn't sign up for that one. I'm supposed to be back here in the back singing. I'm not supposed to be up front. He says, no, you're going to be right up front. And they began to sing. And the scripture even gives us the words that they were supposed to sing. And do I have them here? Oh, man. Oh. The king appointed singers to walk. And this is in verse 21. They're supposed to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. He is faithful and his love endures forever. Amen. They were thanking him before they had gotten into the battle. These are the singers walking before the army men, thanking him because they're the first to get shot. Come on now. You know, because here we are. Are you willing to be on the front line? Are you willing to be the singers that God truly has called us to be? Because he tells us that if you're going to live this life, then you were supposed to be my hands and my feet. You were supposed to be the light into this world. You were the one that's supposed to go out and love the ones that are unlovable. You're the one that's supposed to go out and feed the homeless. You're the one that's supposed to go out and take care of the widows. You're the ones that's supposed to do that. Not the pastor. You are. I just put y'all on the front line. Do y'all like that? But of course a good leader is right there with you. They began to sing praises unto God. As soon as they began to sing praises unto God, God sent out his angels and they began to fight the battle. Read the scripture. Read the scripture. One army began fighting the other two armies. And then that army began fighting themselves. And I would have liked to have seen that last soldier that was still standing that killed himself. Because it says that whenever they got to where God had sent them to, there was nothing except for dead bodies. Nothing. Because the battle was already won. We didn't have to do anything. All we had to do was praise Him and thank Him and accept what He had done. There's all too often we don't accept what he's done because it doesn't look the way that we wanted it to look. Therefore, I still need to work at this. i got to do something else, God. It doesn't look right. Now, it might be exactly the way that you wanted it, but it still doesn't look right to me. 
look at your lives. You know, she talked about it. There are some of us that had children before we wanted to have children. But God said, that's okay. I've got it in my hands. Just trust me. Come on with me. Trust me. Some of us took jobs that we knew that God really didn't want us to do, and it, it took us away from our family at some times, but it was a struggle, but we, you know, we finally made it. We do things that God doesn't want us to do because it doesn't look right. He says, the battle is mine. I will fight it. All you have to do is praise me and thank me for it. Follow with me. Obey me. Trust me. Can I get into the, See, this is... I'm not sure y'all really grabbing this. Because see this nice watch that I have? Okay, see this is, this is plunder. Let's say that this is plunder. Because whenever you kill me, you're supposed to be able to get this. Okay? It took them three days to gather up the plunder. It took them three days to gather up the things that God had blessed them with. Three days. Because they were obedient. See, God's going to fight our battles as long as we allow him to do it. And as long as we trust him to fight those battles. And if we trust him to fight those battles and we let him do it and we thank him for it, mm, 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 there are riches beyond tell that he has for us because he loves us. I don't know if I have, well, I didn't. I didn't, tell you the, I didn't tell you the title of the message, did I? The devil's days are numbered because of Jesus Christ. See, the battles that you're facing today, if we turn them over to God, they're already won. He, he's proven it to us. If you're in a battle, the first thing that we do is we pray. And we ask God to take that battle. We, we call it. We name it. Oh, you know, God... I pray that you will protect my marriage. He's already at work in that battle. God, I pray that you will speak to the hearts of the people that have taken these pledges. And God, that you will provide for this church. The battle's already been won because we thank him and we praise him out of obedience because we know who he is. So we already begin to praise God. And wherever we begin to praise God, 
God truly begins to work. So your battle. I don't know what it is this morning. But the only way that you can be victorious is through Jesus Christ. I think I need to say that again. I don't know what battle you're in. But the only way that you can see victory is through Jesus Christ. That is the only way. So this morning we close. At the end of this battle. In understanding that God fought that battle. The Israelites did not lift a sword. And they gathered three days worth of plunder. He blessed them beyond measure. And he will do the same thing to you. Allow him to have your battles. Now, I'm going to open up the altar. And if we're all true to ourselves, every one of us will be up here at the altar. Because every one of us are going through a battle, have just made it through a battle, or there's a battle on its way. And we need Jesus Christ to help us with that battle. But the thing about it is also, guys, and I want you to understand this and see this, we're in a battle. The war is won. But we still have to fight the battles. But the only way that we fight the battles is through Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Amen? Let's stand. Every head bow and every eye closed. The God of peace will soon come and crush Satan under your feet. The God of peace. The God of peace will soon come and crush Satan under your feet. No more. No more, no more, no more. No more am I just simply kind of floundering around and kind of opposing Satan. See, James tells us, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So resist the devil and he'll flee from you. No more simple opposing. Resist.
The ship is battered. The anchor holds. Though the sails are torn, and I have fallen on my knees as I faced the raging. Seas, the anchor holds in spite of the storm. I've had visions and I've had dreams and I've Help them in my hands, but I never knew that they would slip right through like they were only grains of sand.
though the ship is battered, the anchor holds, though the sails are torn, and I have Oh.